Well, good morning. We are so thankful that you guys could join us today here in the building. We're so thankful for those that are joining us online and in the parking lot, as we say each week. It's hard to believe. I was telling a couple people today, about a month and a half, it's going to be a year since all this started. It's hard to believe that this year has passed, but through it all, as we say every week, God has been faithful and God is still good. And as we gather to worship today and as we begin our service, I have a couple of announcements that um, kind of is related to, to the COVID, uh, COVID-19 year that we had. When that hit last year, many of you, as we went virtual, uh, began to give online. And we're so thankful for your faithfulness and for those of you who take advantage of the online giving. Uh, but as we've come to the end of the year and as giving statements have gone out, some of you have questioned, you know, I gave online, where's the record of that? Because it's not in the giving statement that's being mailed out. That's a separate giving through what comes in in the offering plate. But if you are giving online and you've created that account with your email and password, when you log in, you can access that giving record. In the menu, you just click dashboard and there's reporting and transactions. And there you can just put the dates from January 1st, 2020 to December 31st, 2020. And it will give you a, a report of everything that you gave last year that if you need that for tax purposes. So just to make you all aware of that, that you can you have access to that at any time as you have an account uh, through that giving platform. Also, um, so many people watch online now. And, and the question has been, how many have actually been at home? Because we look at who's watching. And for those that are watching right now, um, we know who the, who the individual accounts are, but we know sometimes those accounts represent a whole home that are watching it on their TV. So one little thing today, those of you that are watching online, if you could help us out, many of you make comments every week on the live broadcast. If you could just put on there um, who's joining us today in your home, it would be interesting to see how many of you are. We know that you're still here. You're just sitting in a chair somewhere, not in this room. And we'd love to have a record to see who all is watching and joining us each week online. So if you could do that this week, that would be great. And then finally, as we begin our service and we begin to worship, Psalm 42.11 says this. From the New Living Translation, it says, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. There's so many things that can bring us down, but when we look to the Lord, we have every reason to rejoice. So we are thankful today that we can gather, and as, as we do that, please stand and give a uh, pandemic howdy to those around you, not too close. Wave at them and welcome them to the service. And let's join our hearts for worship.
Well, good morning. The cross makes all the difference. Uh, I want to encourage you to be uh, praying for our January missionaries carrying hearts, pregnancy. In the bulletin, uh, they're in need of finances. I mentioned that last week. If you'll give to them, uh, they're in great need. And also this morning, one of our members, uh, Diane Ingram, we want to remember her. She's sick and not well. So I want you to remember her and lift her up in prayer this morning. And this morning, I have a personal request, uh, Lori and I. Our youngest son, Trent, is going to the mission field with IMB as a journeyman. So he, he leaves. He left this morning, and he'll be in orientation for seven weeks in Richmond. And then he'll leave for country in March. And I want you to remember him. He'll be gone for two years. That's hard for mom and dad. But you know what? I'm excited because he's going to share the gospel, going to share the good news of Christ. So I want to read to you in, in Matthew's gospel of Jesus speaking, Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You're not alone. Isn't that good news? God's with you, and he's with me. He lives within us. Let's go share the good news of the gospel. Pray for these requests that I mentioned this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the death that you died for us. We thank you that you rose again. And that, Father, you'll be with us always, even to the end of the age. And Father, we want to pray this morning. God, we pray for the Caring Heart Ministry in our county. You'd bless them. Meet their financial needs today. And Father, be with Diane as she's sick. We pray you'd bring healing and help to her. And those who are sick in our community, in our state, in our nation, be, be their help. Father, be their strength. Be their healer. And Father, this morning I pray for Trent and the team that's preparing to go and the many that will be going, Lord, in country, Lord, in March. I pray for them. I pray you'd bless them, meet all their needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. Father, thank you for loving us this morning. Would you bless this service? Would you have the preeminence through the power of your Holy Spirit? And may nothing be done or said, Lord, that would, that would not honor you. May we honor you and glorify you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
Thank you, praise team. Is there going down? I just want to mention, when Mark mentioned the uh, uh, Trent going on mission uh, with IMB through the Journeyman program, basically what that is is a program where you can go overseas for two years. Um, basically, all your needs are met. You get a small salary. And the only reason that is possible is because you give. So when you give to East Hales of Baptist Church, a portion of your tithe goes to the IMB, which allows Southern Baptists to send missionaries literally throughout the world. And a lot of times it's college students, but you can do that as an older, older person as well if you want to do that. So if you're watching online or if you even are a member of another church and you would like to know more about that program, please uh, have your pastor to contact the uh, Southern Baptist Convention and they can get you all the material uh, that you would need. It's a good way to spend two years of your life, especially if you're younger, maybe out of high school or right out of college. If you don't know your career path and you're praying about it, I would encourage you to, uh, to talk to somebody that's been there. I'm sure when Trent comes back, he could give you his, uh, his thoughts on that. But we'll sure, certainly be praying for Trent, and we're thankful that he's going. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12 and stand with me if you will. We're going to be going through Romans 12 for quite a while, looks like. We're just going to look at one verse today, but it's a very powerful verse. It's Romans 12, 12. Notice what Paul says. He says this. Gives us three commands rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. So he says to rejoice. He says literally to be patient and then to be steadfast in your prayers. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come to you in prayer. We want to thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, during these days, I wonder how many of us have, have felt the weight of the world on our back. Lord, that's what the word tribulation means. And Father, that's the centerpiece of this. But in our tribulations, we can rejoice because we have hope. And you can see us through that time through prayer. And Father, I pray that we would just not take notes this morning. Father, we'd just not give mental assent to your word. But Lord, that we would allow your word to change us. Father, give us. Father, we have hope. So Father, we of all people should rejoice in that. And Father, for those who are going through trials, Lord... I pray that you'd give them the endurance to, to make it through that, not only because of their hope, but, Lord, because of the prayer life that they have with you. Father, I pray that you would bless your word today. I pray for everyone that's listening uh, here in, in uh, the service, also those in the parking lot and those online. Father, I just pray that your will be done today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Paul gives us three exhortations or commands. He says, rejoice, be patient. Be constant in prayer. Literally what this verse could read, is, could read is this way. To the hope, rejoicing. To the tribulation, enduring. To the prayer, persevering. And Paul points out things that only Christians can do. The first one is this. Rejoice in hope. Notice verse 12. Rejoice. Rejoicing. That's in the present tense. It pictures a life of a habitual attitude of joy. Now, the thing you got to understand is that the Greeks and the Gentiles had a word for happiness. They didn't have a word for joy because they didn't understand it. Joy is a deep-seated, settled contentment in your soul that is not uh, uh, measured by outside circumstances, ever. It is, it is a fruit of a divine relationship with the Lord. When Paul talked about the fruits of the Spirit, last week we looked at that word love. The second word that comes along, ironically, is joy. Happiness is natural. Joy is supernatural. 
The psalmist says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Joy is the fuel which carries us through difficulty. Listen to what one pastor said. He says, when a person is suffering, they might try to seek their joy in a bottle or in the diversion of TV or some other distraction. Paul calls us, now listen to what he says, set your minds, set your minds upon our hope. Notice verse 12, rejoicing in hope. Set your mind upon our hope for an unconquerable joy to sustain us in trials. So what does he mean? Notice Romans 5, 2 on the screen. Paul talked about this before. He says, through him, talking about Jesus, we also have obtained access by faith into his grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope for the glory of God. Notice what James says here, the Lord's brother. He says, consider it in James chapter 1. He says this, consider it pure joy. Pure joy, he says, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So why would James say, consider it pure joy? Because later on in those next verses, he says these trials that you're going to persevere in, they're going to make you more like Jesus. So thank God for the trials. And in verse 12, what Paul is saying is you can rejoice, have joy. It doesn't mean you're happy, but you have this deep, settled inner peace. Why? Because you're focusing on your hope. Rejoicing in hope. Look at the word hope. The word hope. Rejoice. One, one scholar put it this way. What Paul is saying is rejoice in the sphere of hope. In the atmosphere of hope. And he goes on to say this. Like a fish needs water to thrive. Joy needs hope to be alive. Romans 15, 13 on the screen says this. Now may the God of hope. This was Paul's prayer to these people. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the word hope, and we've talked about it before, is not I hope so. That's today's word. I hope it snows, or I hope it doesn't rain, or I hope Roy Williams calls a timeout. Go Tar Heels, I just had to say that. Hope. This word for hope is an absolute certainty. The most pitiful person, when... When I was talking to the warden at the prison one time after chapel service, preached two chapel services at the prison on a Sunday, okay? God blessed. And I was talking to the warden who was a really nice guy. And he said this, you know the most, the most dangerous person in this prison is? I said, no, who? He says, the one without hope. He says, you get a man in a situation like this with no hope, he's the most dangerous person in this prison. You know the most pitiful person in Alexander County? Regardless of your economic status, the person with no hope. I have pity on your soul. You have no hope. When I was debating an atheist one time, the last question I asked this person that ended our conversation, and I said it nicely, is, can you explain to me what it's like living without hope? You have no hope. Paul says this, you can rejoice, rejoice. That word rejoice means you can shout it out. Because you have hope regardless of your circumstances. Hope. Hope. I, I heard about this story uh, from years ago. A certain American prisoner was held in North Vietnam. Led to believe that if he cooperated with his captors, he'd be set free. They told him, if you'll just be a good prisoner, the day that we set you free, we can't tell exactly what it is, but you will be set free. They said, if you cooperate with us, you're going to be set free. He did quite well despite two years in captivity. With his vision before him, he even became the leader of a prison thought reform group. 
However, the day his vision dissolved and he realized he was only being deceived, he curled up in his bunk, refused nourishment, and was dead in a couple of weeks. When faith in his vision was removed, he could no longer cope because he had no hope. Children of Christ, you have hope. Listen to this. Feelings will always follow our thoughts. Always. Hope. Set your mind on these things. That's why Paul could say this in 2 Corinthians 6. As sorrowful, talking about the life that he was in, he said, it's sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. One scholar put it this way. The shortest verse in the Greek New Testament is 1 Thessalonians 5.16, which says rejoice always. The shortest verse in the English New Testament is John 11.35, which says Jesus wept. There is no contradiction. Biblical joy is a solid undercurrent that is not affected by the surface storms of life. Hope comes from, now listen, hope comes from focusing your mind on the promises in this book and what you have in your salvation. You have to set your mind to those things. Notice what Colossians 3 says. Paul says this to the church at Colossae, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, if you're born again, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Notice, set your mind on those things above. Set your mind. The mind is a battlefield, right? Where does discouragement, doubt, depression come from? Your mind. Paul says this, set your mind. That's something you have to do. Okay? Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. That's why Paul could say about his trials, he listed his trials. He says, these are a light momentary affliction compared to the eternal weight of glory. And I don't know if anybody has suffered more in the Bible other than Job, take Christ out of the picture, than Paul. And he says it's just a light momentary, it's featherweight compared to the weight of glory. He had set his mind on the things above. He set his mind on the hope that he had. He says, for if you died and your life is hidden in Christ and God, when Christ who is your life is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. Paul says, set your mind on things above because you have hope. See, do you have hope? The Bible repeatedly says the lost have no hope. Job said this, or in Job 27, the Bible says, for what is the hope of the godless when he is cut off when God requires his life? When, when Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus talking about our life before Christ, he said, you who were once without hope. But Paul says, and the, and the Bible says that we have a hope. And Colossians says this, that we have a hope that is laid up for us in heaven. John MacArthur put it this way, that is why death for us is not an ending. It is the loosing, that is the very Greek word that is used. It is a loosing us from our bondage. We're in bondage now. Our redeemed inner person. There's no fear of heaven. Anybody afraid of heaven? Anybody afraid of heaven? Anybody afraid of the presence of Jesus Christ? Anybody afraid to go to the new Jerusalem, the heavenly city, the capital of the eternal state? Anybody afraid of holy angels? You afraid of God the Father? Anybody afraid of the saints? Nothing about heaven frightens me, and death is simply the door. Death, he says, is our releasing, freeing us up to be what we're redeemed to be. That's why Titus, Paul wrote to Titus and says this, We have the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promises long ago. Notice Proverbs 14.32, talking about hope. It says this, The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous has hope in his death. 
Think about that. Both the sinner and the saint die, but my, how different it is at death. Look at the word wicked. Listen to MacArthur's commentary on this. The wicked, notice how it says driven away. God doesn't waste words. The wicked is driven away in his wickedness. He would like to live, but he cannot. He does not want to die, but he must. He does not go away willingly, but is driven away. He is not led out, but is forced out. His hands grasp the earth. That's the word picture. He clings to it, and with a wrench is forced to loose, loosen his tenacious hold. Yes, he is dragged out of life as a criminal from his home to a place of eternal judgment. But the righteous has hope in his death, has a certainty of eternal life. Aren't you thankful? Paul is talking about a joy and the certainty of you being in eternity with God. That's why David could write this in Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, it all boils down to the assurance of your salvation. Listen, if I know that heaven is secure, then I can have joy that is undefeatable. Think, if God is sovereign... If our Savior is alive, if our sins have been forgiven, if our justification is eternal and settled in heaven, if our home is secure in heaven, if our Lord is returning for us, regardless of what life throws at us, why would we wallow in self-pity? We should be the happiest of all people. Why? Because God sees every child of His. In Ephesians 2, God sees us in His Son. In Revelation 7, 14, He sees us as washed in the blood. In Isaiah 61.10, he sees us as clothed in righteousness. In Romans 8.17, he sees us as an heir to his kingdom. In Romans 8.1, he sees us as no longer condemned. And in 1 Corinthians 3.23, he sees us as eternally his own. Rejoice in hope. Only born-again Christians have hope. The second thing he says is this. Be patient in tribulation or persevering. Verse 12 says... Patient in tribulation. It literally means to abide. Now listen to this definition of this word. It literally means to abide or remain under something, but not simply with resignation, but with a vibrant hope. It describes a resisting by holding one's ground, which is not passive, which means I'm just putting up with things, but an active, steadfast, steadfast endurance, even in the face of serious trouble. The, the Greek word, hupomino, is in the present tense, which calls for this continual Habitual practice. Stephen Lawson said, True Christian perseverance is not tied to tenacity. It is rather tied to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. We're to be patient, able to remain under, look at the word in chapter or verse 12, tribulation. Listen to what this word means. It means to crush, to press, to compress, to squeeze. One scholar said, it is a pressing together as of grapes. It conveys the idea of being squeezed or placed under pressure or crushed beneath, beneath the weight. So this Greek word for tribulation refers not to a mild discomfort, but to great difficulty. Jesus spoke of it in John 16.3. Notice what he says. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. But take courage, I have overcome the world. Paul or Luke, describing Paul's missionary travels to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, writes that Paul and Barnabas, this is what they were doing, strengthening the souls of the disciples 
encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying this. Notice what Acts 14, 22 says. says this. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. That word for tribulation means that I have the weight of the world on me. I feel, I feel pressed down. I don't feel like I can make it another day. But what I'm going to do is, because I can rejoice in hope and I have hope, is I'm going to persevere underneath that. I'm going to persevere. I'm not just going to settle and say, God, things will never get better. But I am going to rejoice. I'm going to set my mind on things above and know that, God, you're working things out to make me more like Christ. And this life is just a vapor, James says. Think about that. A vapor. And you have the hope of eternal life. That's why Paul writes in verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. And then he says this, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Look at the word steadfastly. It's in the present tense as well. We're talking about authentic Christianity, right? We're talking about the real deal. He says, "Be continue steadfastly in prayer. It's in the present tense. It means to continuously, habitually, devoted, or attending to. Okay? Think of things you're devoted to. Think, think, of saying, think of things right now that you're devoted to in your life. I'm not talking about your family. What are you devoted to? See, if you're devoted to something, it's going to take your time and your money, right? Two things Alexander County people don't want to give up is their time and their money. Time and their money. I, th- I thought about people who are devoted to things. Aren't deer hunters devoted? I mean, you're, you guys are devoted. I mean, you get up at 4.30 in the morning, 20 degrees, about like it is in here. You put on skunk spray, raccoon grease, rhino sweat. You'll go out in the woods climb up a 30-foot tree on a little piece of wood and sit there waiting for Bambi to come by just so you can kill it. And he'll be, be away from his mother forever. But if you do have deer jerky, I'll take some. But think about this. Now, I'm being serious. Think about this. That's devotion, is it not? That is devotion. Think about the time and the money you spend. Well, think about your hobbies as well. But I would say this. If you're a Christian deer hunter and you can get up at 4.30 in the morning and sit in the woods for four hours, and you can't get yourself to church on Sunday morning at 10.30, you're not devoted to this church. You're not. What are you devoted to? And I would tell you this as well. Are you devoted to prayer? When's the last time you got on your knees and prayed and didn't get up till God, God said you could get up? You know why the early church, the early church just exploded? Because over and over again in Acts, you'd see this word steadfastly in prayer. Steadfastly in prayer. When Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, in that Greco-Roman culture, in that pagan culture, he says, devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to it. If you're going to pray, it's going to take time. It's going to take energy. Think about your prayer life right now. God can do more in five minutes than you can do in five years. Devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. It it takes no spiritual gifts to pray. Literally, you don't need a special room. You don't even have to sometimes have to mouth words if you can't. All right? Devote yourself to prayer. The word prayer there in verse 12, the prefix, the the first word there, it means, listen to what it means. It means toward or immediately before 
the more general word means this, to be immediately before God. It's only used of God. What that means is when you pray, you're in His presence. Supernaturally. Isn't that amazing? To pray to the God of the universe who sent His Son to die on the cross on your behalf and to raise again. And think about this, friends. God can do more in five minutes than you can do in five years. Why don't we pray? I heard a missionary share this, and I've shared it with you before, but he said in one region of Africa, the first converts to Christianity were very diligent about praying. They were prayers. Okay. In fact, the believers each had their own special place outside the village where they went to pray in solitude. The villagers reached these prayer rooms by using their own private footpaths through the brush. When grass began to grow over one of these trails, it was evident that the person to whom it belonged was not praying very much. Accountability, right? Because these new Christians were concerned for each other's spiritual warfare, a unique custom sprang up. Whenever anyone noticed an overgrown prayer path, he or she would go to the person and lovingly warn them. Notice on the screen. Friend, there's grass on your path. Is there grass on your path? I want to tell you something. 2020 was a tough year for a lot of people. 2021 is going to be tough as well. 2022 is going to be tough. There are times in every, every year that it's tough, right? What's going to get you through that? You have hope. By the Spirit's power, because you devoted yourself to prayer, you can persevere in your trials. But woe to the Christian that doesn't. There's not enough counseling in the world that can fix that. I would encourage you today to devote yourself to prayer. Let me ask you a question. Do you have hope? Do you have hope? Have you placed your faith in the resurrected Christ? Have you repented of your sins and became a child of God? Have you believed in Christ and received Him as your personal Savior? Are you going through a trial? Trust in Christ. And let me finally ask you this. Is there grass on your path? Imagine what would happen at East Hills of Baptist Church if we all just devoted ourselves to prayer. Not just for health issues, which are so important, especially now, but for God's glory and His name being exalted in our communities. Imagine what would happen. And I'll, I'll share this with you again, like I shared last week. What do you expect God to do this week, starting Monday? Because of the prayers you prayed today. I want you just to bow your heads and close your eyes and pray to God. Pray to God. Spiritually speaking, what would you like to see God do in your life, your family's life, today? If you're going through a trial or you have tribulation, you feel like the weight of the world is on you. Share that with the Lord. These things only apply to those who are born again, who are filled with the Holy Spirit of Christ. Father, as we come to you in prayer, we love you. We thank you for your word. Lord, these things, these exhortations sure are easy to preach. But sometimes they're really hard to live out. Lord, it starts with us as individuals. Lord, devoting ourselves to prayer. Setting our mind on things above. Then and only then can we rejoice 
and have supernatural joy and persevere during the tribulations of life. Father, help us to be mature men and women of Christ. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you alone can do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Before we dismiss, we have a special guest. I'm going to ask Robbie Flowers to come. Robbie's from the uh, Hidden Out Family Campground. He's been staying with, uh, not staying with, but he's been, been staying in uh, Donna Elder's dad's house. And I really appreciate you all letting them stay there. Robbie had nowhere to go. Of course, he'll share some of that with you. And I talked to Robbie um, Friday, and he asked if he could come and just thank the church for what you've done for him. And I've really grown to know Robbie, love he and his wife and his granddaughter. Uh, and I'm just so thankful for what God's done in, in his situation. And Robbie, I'm going to come and just ask you to speak, brother, okay? Appreciate you, my brother. I want to thank for being here. Thank the Lord. But I got a few notes. I really don't need them, but I'm going to use them anyway. But uh, in truth, I do uh, want to thank Randy and his wife for letting us stay in their house. And uh, But I want to tell you, for each and every one of you out there, I want to thank each and every one of you. But what he was talking about today, the hope, each and every one of you give each and every one of us at that campground hope because we lost everything we had. And when we say that, some of us did. We lost everything. We had taken everything from our home and put it in our camper. And, um, and when it, we went out that morning, water went from running across the road just on the ground to 15 minutes it was up to the second step on our camper within minutes of getting to the truck and getting in it was done up to the running boards over the tires and within time we got in the truck and tried to get out and it was from here to the back door water had done come up and then it cut my truck off and it was me my wife my granddaughter it was 11 and my grandbaby that was one years old. And I want to tell you just a little bit about that. I've been married to Annette for 35 years. We got one girl that's 33, one boy that's 30. But my daughter had uh, Maddie, which was 11. We've had her since she came home. But uh, Mason, the one to the God, he's up there with God now. But I want to tell you this. I helped bring Mason into the world. I helped deliver him on October the 25th in the parking lot of a fire department. And that was the most remarkable thing other than delivering, seeing the delivery of my two children was to help deliver a baby. And no one at the fire department, when the firemen came out, I said, guys, we need help. I've got a baby here. And they just backed up. I mean, I said, you can't tell me that out of seven of y'all, somebody can't deliver a baby. And they said, oh, no. I said, what we're going to do? So I've delivered a lot of cows, horses, goats, dogs, helped. But I knew something had to happen. She was screaming. Her uh, fiance was there, was screaming. And I told him, I, I said, just don't get close to her. She's going to love you to death, but she's going to hate you in the worst way here in just a little bit. <laughs> and he let her grab his thumb 
And in the midst of having that baby, I looked up and he was in the front seat laying down and his thumb was touching his arm. <laughs> but anyway, Mason came into this world and he was smiling from the time he came in. When we were going down that waterway, he would look at me holding him on my chest and he would just laughing. He thought we were playing. But I'll tell you though, if anybody's ever seen an angel, I got to live with one for a year. But I wanna thank each and every one of you for what y'all have done. And I wanna wanna testify that um, we were living in the campground because we were getting our house remodeled. And uh, when we lost everything and we were, uh, I took Annette back to the house and, uh, or was to the motel then, and I was going to my house and we've got a creek that runs down beside of my house and I go down there sometimes and take the Bible. And I'm going to uh, make a plan before we was going to go in our life now. Was we going to just go back to the house or were we was going to sell the house and just go? And uh, on the way home, the telephone rang. And this man come over the phone. He said, uh, my name's Dennis Hampton. And, uh, uh, excuse me, I'm with uh, God's pit crew. And God has given me a, a message to call you that you need our help. And I said, do what? And when you're sitting there and you're thinking you never heard of God's pit crew, never heard of Dennis Hampton. I said, well, Dennis, let me talk with my wife and talk it over. And I said, I'll get back to you. And I said, I'm heading to my house to make a plan. He said, well, that's good because I'm sitting in your driveway. And uh, I got there with him and uh, me and him talked. We looked at the house. He said, I, we may can help you get this house back straightened out. I said, well, see what you can do because I thought this was a scam. I didn't understand. And uh, I went home. Well, when I got back to the truck, I called my wife. And I said, you're not going to believe this. I just met a man that was on God's pit crew. She said, what? <laughs> and you're thinking... And I said, his name was Dennis Hampton. They're going to help us try to get back in the house. And she said, no way. I said, I'm, I'm telling the truth. <laughs> but these people came into our lives just like you did. You never knew us. You took us in. You helped us. And uh, they came in and made a plan. And on Monday morning, these people come. They've got if people, if you don't know them, they're the most wonderful people just like you they came in my house at 7 30 in the morning by three o'clock it was you could see from one end to the other but the thing about it was was every one of them is christian people and it's like you never met a stranger it's like they'd known us all our lives and these people from all over the united states they volunteer they do not get one penny for helping people but they came in, they helped us, 
and I'll get on with it so we can go. But uh, yesterday, Friday evening, they called us, and uh, they're not completely done, but the major things are done. They said, Robbie, we'd like for you and your wife and your grandchild to come back over here. Maddie, you come over. We're going to give you the keys to your house. And we got there, and we were so happy because we're getting to go back home. But the thing about it is, is we had a house. We've got the house that we live in with Randy and, and Pam and their, his wife and all. They've made that a home for us. You've made that a home for us. Over here in our uh, Alexander County, none of each and every one of you never knew one of us at all. But everyone I meet and everyone that comes by the house or is called to ask us if we need anything, do you need this, didn't I know. You've given, you've given everything by just being here. And, but the thing about it, I want to tell you this, I lived in my community for 35 years, went to church, same church probably since I was old enough to walk. And I told, I testified to you about this. We went back to the house and had been over there while they'd been well, we weren't able to go back because they told us we couldn't come back when they were fixing it up. But you know that out of that, none of the, no one from any of the churches over there or from that community has ever called, came by, and asked if we needed any help. And I've always been on the receiving end of these or anything. If anybody ever needed help, elderly or any one of our church, I've always tried to be there and cut wood for them, fix their houses, crawl up under their houses, which I don't like doing because I don't like snakes. But I did it anyway. And uh, just like you say, the Lord be with us. But uh, I want to thank each and every one of you. And when I met Jamie, he was like a godsend. Because we were at, we were at our ends, which we did have faith. I've got faith, and I thank the Lord for getting us through it that day. But I lost an angel, and like I said, if you've never seen one, I got to live with one for one year, and he's looking down on us, and he's taking care of us. <laughs> But I want to thank the Lord for bringing everyone in my life. And if there's anything I can ever do for any of you and do it for the Lord, I'm here. Thank you. Uh, you know, it's funny how God works things out because when the flood happened, I think it was on that Friday, we see this uh, big red truck driving around. I was like, Justin, find out what they're doing. And uh, uh, he said, they were God's pit crew of ministry. And uh, they give Justin a card. And I said, well, you know, maybe we can use those people. Went Friday to talk to Robbie. And uh, bless her heart, that's when they were looking for his grandson. Yeah, they hadn't found him yet. And it's hard to talk about a house then. Next Saturday, the next day I went back over there. And uh, we, we, we talked about that with him. Then I talked about, went back scene Monday, and I said, I think we can maybe have a, have a group that can work on your house, because uh, his house was totally destroyed. And, 
And uh, when Robbie called me uh, Friday and we started talking, I just it's just how God works, just how God works. And he's such a humble man. I really appreciate he and his wife and his uh, beautiful granddaughter. But thank you for giving. Thank you for praying. Um, thank you for what you've done to the community. I want to say thank you as well. So many churches have helped, all right? So many churches and Christian organizations. And uh, it's just amazing how little by little... God works and open things up because God's fit crew called Justin back or Justin called them and then they got, got in touch with Robbie and we are here where we are today so we just thank the Lord for that. And let's give the Lord a hand clap for what he's done, okay? Well guys, thank you so much uh, for being who you are. I'm honored to be your pastor. Hope everyone has a great week. I would just encourage you to rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be steadfast in prayer. God bless you and you're dismissed. Thank you very much.